Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, March 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The giant shipping container in the Suez Canal still stuck. We'll take a look at the ripple effect that it's having on supply chains and markets. Plus, we'll have the latest on the mystery fire sale in the U.S. stock market Friday. It's linked to a private investment firm. Plus, workers at an Amazon plant in Bessemer, Alabama, could make history if they vote to unionize. But I think that Amazon is really going to pay attention to what worked for them and what didn't and come down even harder on other workers. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Traders have been wondering who was behind the unusually large block trades on Friday that rattled and mystified Wall Street. It was like a fire sale that sent the share price of big media companies, Viacom and Discovery, down nearly 50% from their record highs. The trades ultimately totaled about $19 billion. And behind these trades, we now know, was a private investment firm called Archegos Capital. The FT's Hortensa Alii has been digging into the details. We're still in the process of of figuring this out. What we do know is Archegos is a family office and family offices typically only manage the wealth of the person who has set it up and the people inside it. So to our knowledge, there are no external clients who are affected by this. Archegos, it seemed, was extremely levered, which tends to mean that they borrowed a lot of money to put positions on. And one of the banks, I believe it has several prime brokers, but one of its prime brokers issued something called a margin call, which essentially means the firm has to provide a sort of backup for the shares that they have or that that they hold. It appears that Archegos couldn't match or couldn't meet this margin call. And that triggered calls across some of its other prime brokers, which means that it was essentially forced to liquidate its holdings. Hence why we were seeing you know, what we call batches of trades or blocks of trades sold on the market. So Artegos is is run by this guy named Bill Huang. Um, where is he in all this? And, uh, you know, what's his role in, in this sell-off? That's what we're trying to figure out. So <laughs> we got word that it was Artegos selling pretty early on, I would say around uh, midday on Friday. And ever since then, we've been trying to get in touch with multiple people at Archegos. We've sort of called mobile numbers. We've sent emails. And uh, I woke up this morning on Sunday morning to find out that the Archegos website had disappeared. Bill Wang is a very interesting character because he actually used to own a hedge fund that I believe was called Tiger Asia. And this, whilst he was trading through that hedge fund, um, he pled guilty to bribe fraud in connection with two Chinese bank stocks um, and illegally trading there. So he was banned from trading in Hong Kong and he paid a fine to the Securities and Exchange Commission. I believe it was around $44 million, which led to him converting his hedge fund into a family office and changing its name. And that's what he's been trading out of. Um, But if anyone knows where Bill Huang is, we'd like to know as well. <laughs> yeah, so so if you know, just give Hortensa a call. No big deal. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating stuff, Hortensa. Hortensa Ali is the FT's mergers and acquisitions correspondent. Thank you, Hortensa. Thank you. Officials in charge of the Suez Canal have said they don't know when they'll be able to free the massive container ship that's blocked the pathway. And this is a big deal because around 12% of all seaborne trade passes through the Suez Canal. 
which means dozens of container ships and oil tankers have been rerouted. The FT's energy editor, David Shepard, says the ripple effects could get more serious the longer it takes to dislodge the ship. As this drags on, you start to get disruptions across supply chains. Supply chains are very delicate, very global. And if we start to see things failing to turn up, you know, which have been shipped from factories in China to, say, car manufacturing plants in the UK, you quickly get more problems. So, David, what about markets? How, how have they been reacting to all this? Well, it's been a mixed bag so far, to be, to be straight. Oil prices last week were very volatile because on the, on the short-term disruption to being able to get oil from point A to point B in the most efficient manner, it was offset to a degree by, look, lots of large parts of Europe are going back into lockdown. The failure to get the coronavirus under control is also weighing on traders' minds. So if the Suez Canal is seen as a bullish factor, it was offset to a degree by other concerns about demand. The other key thing is that you know oil supply, it's still coming out of the pumps. There's not been any disruption there. So the oil will be available. It just may take longer to get to market. What about the impact on consumers, though? When they buy something online or, or go to the store or look for something, you know, if, if they're trying to buy something that comes by way of container ship, how is this blockage affecting them? Well, initially, I mean, if, if you're ordering from, say, one of the, the large retailers, shall we say, that, that has, have very efficient supply chains, the part of that supply chain that you're exposed to initially is the final, you know, 50 or 100 miles, most likely. So you're probably going to be okay. You know, if they're showing that they've got it in stock, it'll be available. Of course, for large companies, their supply chains are a little bit more complex than that. You know, for for large manufacturing plants, car manufacturers in particular are quite wary of this, and, and shutdowns for them are very expensive. So we're already seeing people start to look at, okay, this is going to be more expensive to fly in, for example, when we're, when we're talking about something as complex as car parts. But that cost may well be worth it if it saves having to shut down an assembly line for a matter of weeks. David Shepard is the FT's energy editor. Today is the last day of voting for workers at an Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. For the last seven weeks, nearly 6,000 employees have been deciding whether to unionize the facility. If they vote yes, it would be the first union at Amazon. But the companies battled hard to block the vote. I'm joined now by the FT's Taylor Nicole Rogers. She's been covering this. Hi, Taylor. Hi. Taylor, remind us how this got started here. Amazon has... 800 facilities in the U.S. Why did the union effort start at this warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama? I think Bessemer ended up being a perfect storm for a couple of reasons. One is that it opened right at the start of the pandemic. So workers were promised one thing and then showed up in their first couple of weeks and everything changed. They were worried about COVID safety precautions. They were worried about the influx of orders and how work was speeding up so quickly and they didn't really know what to do about it. The other thing that happened was shortly after the plant opened, George Floyd was murdered and the entire country erupted with this conversation of racial justice. Now, about 75% of the workers in Bessemer are Black and they felt like some of the things that were happening to them, being yelled at by employees, having their bathroom breaks timed, their safety concerns being ignored, had something to do with their race. 
And so because all of these things were happening in Bessemer, it just kind of erupted into this great union dispute that we have right now. Now, I'm wondering, given that there's such a a heavy race factor in this unionization vote, um, could we see a a domino effect happen should this plant unionize? Or do you think that it'll just happen at other plants where there are a majority of Black workers? I absolutely think there will be a domino effect in the number of plants that try to unionize. But if the workers in Bessemer succeed, I think that Amazon is really going to pay attention to what worked for them and what didn't and come down even harder on other workers. But we know that there are workers all across the country who have had conversations about unionizing, who are interested in unionizing, but Amazon makes it really difficult. So what would a broader unionization effort, how would that affect Amazon's operations and profits? Is is that why Amazon's pushing back here? Absolutely. So the union in this case will not only make Amazon have to spread, well, their goal will be to make Amazon slow down the workers' speed. They want you know better protections from COVID. All of that stuff will be expensive for Amazon. And what's unique here is that a lot of companies, when they're facing union drives, they say, well, we can't afford to put these protections in place. It'll bankrupt us. And Amazon can't say that. So I definitely think it will have an impact On Amazon's profit margins, how big of an impact? I don't know. So with today being the last day of voting, I got to ask, do you have a clear sense of which way it'll go? I don't, but I think the workers have a really, really good chance. They seem to be very united on the issues that they want solved, and they seem to have a lot of momentum. And of course, the entire country is watching and they know it. But I think what it's really going to come down to is Amazon's response. They've done everything in their power to make sure that people don't understand their rights. They have been texting workers five times a day, calling people, having mandatory meetings with them to try to get them to vote no. So I really think this is going to come down to how many workers Amazon can get to vote no. Taylor Nicole Rogers is the FT's U.S. Labor and Equalities Correspondent. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for having me. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.